Hey Brad, how's it going? Jeff, I'm fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I feel like you and I always talk around the fall season when baseball postseason is up and running. And I always have a kick whenever your team and my team are in the playoffs. I love it. Uh, I feel like the conversations between the Braves and the Dodgers that we've had over the years uh, always are a delight. And I'd be lying to you right now if I didn't have my Braves shirt on, ready for uh, postseason. Here we are. We're ready to roll. Yeah. So I'm joined by Brad Smith. And if you don't know who he is, he's the founder and CEO of uh, Sonar. I think it's csonar.com is your website, though. So he's yeah. a former former revenue operator, moved into a SaaS founder, been in the Salesforce ecosystem for 10 plus years, and also the founder of one of, the, one of my favorite communities out there, the Wizard of Operations community. Anything I missed? Nothing you missed. Yeah. I, I just reiterate, spent a lot of time in the off space cutting my teeth and... Uh, Got the scar tissue to prove it, I suppose, for all the mistakes I've probably made, which is one of the biggest catalyst reasons for building the community and our software problems to better support operations folks and just hopefully make their lives a little bit easier. Yeah, we live hard lives. I, like, I, I got to tell you that much. We had James MacArthur on and he was talking about burnout. That was one of my favorite conversations to have with him. Also, I've had a, quite a few revenue operators who've gone the entrepreneurial route, but a lot of them have moved on to like solo consulting or creating their own um, you know, advisory practices. Uh, you've gone the opposite route. You've actually decided to work with a couple of your co-founders to build a product. And I'm curious about that transition from revenue operator to SaaS founder. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting transition. It's funny, um, Jack, my co-founder, and I talk about this often. Uh, he kind of rewind the clock all the way back to kindergarten, if you will. And your teacher asks, what are you going to do one day? Not many kindergartners are going to say CEO, but usually it's an astronaut or a firefighter. But you keep asking yourself that through your journey of growth and school and education and first couple jobs. And most entrepreneurs kind of have that. Like, I'm going to go be a CEO. I want to go start a company. Uh, Jack absolutely had that fire. I'll be honest with you, I didn't. <laughs> it was never something that like, oh, let me go be a CEO of a SaaS company. Um, but doing what I've done for the past decade, especially fully encompassed by the Salesforce ecosystem, I found a lot of pain points. And you know, I think a lot of the times, some of the most successful companies you do find are when founders get together and solve a problem that they're passionate about. Not necessarily one that they are monetarily passionate about, but what they've they've experienced uh, some hard times with software or just in general in scenarios, and they want to go help people solve that. And I think spending a lot of my time in the RevOps space, even well before that term was a term, uh, my first operations job was professional services operations manager, which is a total mouthful. But I realized how important that role is to businesses and more importantly, how tough that job is. So just the high level of empathy we have with it. Uh, and that's the way we approach a lot of our, our customers and, and prospects and just the ecosystem in general. We know how tough your job is. Um, I will tell you, though, from a perspective of why I think a RevOps person, and I know hopefully this audience is listening and their ears perk up, why I think a RevOps professional is, is a great candidate for running a company if you think traditionally for a lot of SaaS companies and software companies, usually start with some engineers, right? Hey, I can go code something up. Uh, salesperson and an engineer kind of get together and, hey, I got this problem and I've got a, a technical mind that can go do it. Think about those two departments and their backgrounds they came from. 
one probably has a really good sales perspective and one has a really good engineering perspective, but that doesn't cover a lot of the business that you have to go build. Why I think RevOps folks are going to be some of the best executives and best leaders and C-suite members and founders, they've experienced sales, marketing, customer success, services, product, and of course, engineering. There's not a department really that RevOps doesn't help support in a business. And so, you know, even in the early days that we were tackling problems, like, you know, I, I remember talking about this problem with a marketing leader once. I think I've got some opinions and you have a better starting point for building because you've had that exposure to so many different departments and challenges. So hopefully that's an encouragement for a lot of folks listening to uh, get that entrepreneurial bug and, and go solve a problem you're passionate for. I love that. And by the way, just full disclaimer, I'm an advisor to Sonar. And before we had this call, I usually spend 15, 20 minutes with our guests. And you and I just kind of talked about general business practices. We weren't talking about revenue operations. We were talking about the macro environment, the fundraising environment, and really just the health of an overall business. And agree, as a revenue operator, one of my favorite things is making sure that we can context switch from you know finance to marketing, sales to you know backend legal operations, the ability to kind of straddle all those unique conversations. So one thing, by the way, we talked about Wizard of Operations. So moving away from Sonar, Wizard of Ops is like gigantic now. I, I remember it was like 3,000 members back in the day. I don't know what you guys are at today. Tell me about Wizard of Operations, how it's, uh, what are your members like looking for? How does it fit into your overall playbook? Because it's interesting to see like a business also run like a community that is actually kind of separate from the business. Totally. Yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting. We're a little over 7,000 folks now and just still high engagement, high, uh, high excitement for it. But I'll go back to the starting point of it, sort of the origin story. And uh, you, you kind of mentioned this. So I'll call out one thing that a lot of people assume and it's a totally fair assumption. Like I've had some of our investors and folks I've talked to ask me this question. They're like, Brad, that was brilliant. Go, go start a, a community based off your software and, you know, really help, uh, help build that pipeline and things like that. The reality of it is I started WizOps before I started Sonar. Uh, and, and true story, I wish there was probably a more glamorous story for this, but uh, real talk, I was director of RevOps at a company here in Atlanta called Terminus. And I remember vividly looking down the row of our de row of desks at the office and a guy on my team had his cell phone out and he was taking a picture of his computer screen. And I was like, one, there's screenshot material out there, software you can use, you don't have to take a picture from your phone. But I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I've got this issue, it's a, a CPQ issue, and I keep banging my head against the wall. I'm going to text a buddy of mine who's an expert and get his feedback on it. I was like, you know, we're not in middle school anymore. You don't have to necessarily text them. There's this thing called Slack. You can just take a screenshot from your computer, probably better quality, and Slack it over to him. He's like, well, Brad, we're not in the same community. I was like, or the same Slack instance. I was like, hang tight, give me two minutes. There's free Slack orgs that you can go set up. So spun one up, put the three of us in together, and they just jammed back and forth and fixed the problem. And that was day one of WizOps. Uh, and it kind of kept building from there. I remember the three of us would sit there and talk like, man, now I'm having a, a Pardot issue. Like Sarah Mack, Pardot expert. Let's get her in there. And we got Sarah in and like, man, we're having this like NetSuite or billing issue. Like mm, Ben and Justin, great guys, experts in that. Let's get them in. And it just kind of organically kept growing and all word of mouth. You know, now we do some uh, LinkedIn posts. Now that we're up to 7,000 and, and we try our best to celebrate our community, but 
it's all been organic. It's all, uh, you know, we don't run big campaigns about it. Uh, I think the biggest thing people ask all the time, like, well, it, it, it certainly feeds Sonar, right? Like it's certainly a pipeline. It's not like, actually it's two separate databases. <laughs> like we run them out of two different marketing automation platforms. And so we don't really overlap there. I think the, the one thing that I've continued to push uh, for the community, and I even tell our team this all the time, this community was built to be a safe space to collaborate, get the answers you're looking for, and network with other like-minded folks. I mean, I'm not the first pioneer to go build a community, but I want it to continue to elevate this persona, this operations, rev ops, sales ops, marketing ops, Salesforce consultancy, HubSpot consultancy. We got a lot of HubSpotters in there too. Um, but I want to support that group because I know if we elevate that role and that persona, that will pay dividends to our software company. But we have a very strict no sales policy in there. And I've got a lot of folks, eyes and ears on the ground that are in the community that call people out or let me know if folks are breaking the rules and selling because it's the most consistent piece of feedback I get. And I ask our community members often, what can we do to make this better, enhance it? And most of the feedback, I can't make it up, Jeff, they say, don't do anything. It's great the way it is. And I'm like, well, you don't want like more webinars or content. Like, sure, that's all great. But we love coming into a safe space where we know we can ask a question without getting added to a cadence or a sequence or a marketing campaign. It's like, that's fair. Let's keep it all natural and full of folks that want to be here and want to help. And it's been tempting. We've had folks ask, hey, can I sponsor this? Like, hey, I'd love to you know, put new webinars on with y'all. Can you just give me the whole lead list? I'm like, absolutely not. Our, our folks, I take it very seriously. Our sales team doesn't go in there. They don't get to sell. They don't get to do anything. And my goal is to keep it that way for as long as we can. We don't monetize it. I want the ops world to just continue to get elevated. And I know that if we continue to do that, it's going to again pay dividends to not only the folks that we support, but our business as well. I'll say no foxes in the hen house on that one. So I'm in there as well. I get a chance to, you know, every once in a while, when I have a time, drop in, answer a question, ask a question. There's a lot of give and take that happens in the community. Um, but your salespeople, yourself, your product team, when you're engaging with like your prospects, you're probably targeting would be my guess, a revenue operator leader of some sort. Maybe they don't have a title, but they're definitely taking on some of the business systems type work, especially around the Salesforce ecosystem. What have you heard from the market, the prospects? Like what pains are they going through? What's a revenue operator in 2023, 2024? What are they experiencing? Whew, a lot. And if I could, if I could afford it, they would all have a, uh, a, a bottle of champagne or a bottle of bourbon or a beer at their front door because I would love to send it to everybody. It is a, it's a stressful time to be in RevOps and to be in business systems and to own processes and technology because... The fact of the matter of the market that we're in, budgets are tight, purse strings are very tight, people are not whipping out the wallet nearly as much as they were in peak frothiness and, and uh, zero interest rate time periods. And so you have to be really disciplined in your role. Um, but one of the biggest pain points, I, I can't make it up, an hour ago I was on a call with one of our customers and she said, yeah, my CFO came to me and said, I've got to reduce our tech stack spend by a million bucks over the next 12 months. I was like, woof. And she's like, well, I'm keeping sonar. I want to keep it on. I was like, whew, good. Make me feel good. But she was like, it's challenging. And I think a lot of what 
businesses and executives are looking to the RevOps persona to help with right now is validation of this is the right approach. Yes, we're getting the maximum ROI out of these processes and systems that we're heavily investing in. But at the same time, the challenge is being given to RevOps. Help us figure it out. You own the, I mean, think of our core pillars, right? The systems, the process, and the data. You've got a lot of authority and capacity and agency in your business. And one, it's a great time to be in RevOps because you get to shine that light on yourself and be the hero. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say it is a stressful time to be in RevOps. You're getting challenged left and right. You have a new report or new dashboard coming from a new executive. Probably by the time this episode's over, you're going to have two or three of those requests in your inbox. And I can show such a high level of empathy for the role because I know the challenge and the strain and the pull you're getting. But, you know, my encouragement, the silver lining, the glass is always half full side of Brad's always going to tell you, embrace it. They wouldn't be coming to you if they didn't see the value that you bring in the organization. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think right now it's October and thinking through, I don't know when this episode is going to get released, but by the time it does, it's probably going to be a planning cycle for, for most folks who are listening to this. And, you know, the typical answer is, okay, what, what does next year look like? What does the year after that look like? Sometimes if the revenue operator is brought in the room and they're kind of strategic, they'll think through a three-year, five-year vision as opposed to just what's, what do you need for next year? And that three-year vision comes down to you just have a lot of unknowns. You don't know where your revenue is going to be. You probably, if you're a Series A, Series B, Series C startup, you have a playbook that's been well-worn over the last 10 years. We don't know if that playbook is still valid. And so the question then is, okay, well, if you know what potential ranges of your, of your top line could be, how do you plan for that? Are your systems today, are they sufficient? Your bench strength, like your roles, responsibilities, do you have the org configured in such a way that you're putting the right pieces on the chessboard in the right places with the right skill sets? Do I need pawns? Do I need knights? Do I need queens? Like what kind of moves do I, do I need to make? And the challenging part for RevOps, well, all the other headcount and systems are increasing, but the ops headcount is actually kind of flat. And if I did a chart for some, some businesses, if you're not asking for more, you're actually seeing the percentage spend on the headcount for RevOps decline as a percentage of revenue or a percentage of plan. And that's not right because what you'll see is all, all the folks on that team are probably burning out and they leave and all that tribal institutional knowledge just goes out with them, right? And, and that's, that's something I think is super challenging for revenue operators. It absolutely is. And I think you're know, talking about burnout, like James, you were talking about James MacArthur earlier, hanging out with him at Dreamforce a few weeks back. And him and I were talking about that and, and systems management and RevOps in general. And, you know, the it was James, it was, this was at one of our, it's actually at our WizOps happy hour we had on Tuesday night. We were all just kind of in a, in a room together, having a great time being ops nerds as we are. And I can't remember who said it, so I, I need to look back, but there was a really profound statement that I, I'm now reusing a lot and I'll share today. RevOps has always been a function of revenue for the business, right? And typically that is on a incline and typically that is in a growth type environment, right? Like, hey, Jeff, what do we need to do to go hit this number? And over the next year, we're going into planning season, everybody's favorite season. How do we go from you know this million to this million? And then how do we double that or triple that year over year? So you're always being asked, what should I do? 
And it wasn't until this happy hour a few weeks ago, somebody's like, I've stopped answering that question. The only thing I'm going to my leadership team now and saying is, hey, I noticed a trend over here. We need to stop doing this. And it was it's really profound. You know, it's not earth shattering, but it, it reminded me that we're not necessarily just here to show where the revenue can grow. There's times that we're all looking at CAC, LTV, and burn multiples and things like that. It is your responsibility also to voice your opinion and say, hey, I don't, I don't think investing in this software is a good idea. Or maybe that vertical or that industry or that region is not something that we need to over-index on right now. And I think one thing that is challenging for RevOps folks, and I hope if you take anything away from this, you have the motivation to do it. You've got all the tools and knowledge in your tool belt to go and posture that way. And you should. You have the authority and autonomy to go tell people, hey, I think this is a bad idea. And it's a tough conversation. We'd much rather say, oh, yeah, go use this uh, software and go tackle this industry and this. And that's how we're going to 3x next year. Think about the inverse of it. Think about the opportunity cost of what it's taking your business to grow and build and call out a few of those like, hey, we've been investing in this one campaign for two quarters now and it's netted us nothing. Is that something we really need to keep pursuing? That will build so much more character and reliability and autonomy for yourself in that organization. People are going to trust and appreciate you calling out the hard stuff. Uh, but again, high level of empathy, man. The role has never been more challenging, but as the eternal optimist, I'll also say it's never been more rewarding. I think the one thing about you know channel optimization, cutting with a broad stroke money off your tech stack, you know that's a bit of indiscriminate um, cutting. And I think where RevOps can add value is, okay, well, you're, you're giving me this mandate to cut costs. Let me start cutting where, the, where there, is place, there are places that are easy to cut because we're not generating ROI on it, or maybe it's an unused tool or it's redundant. But then at some point you get to a place where, okay, now we have to force trade-offs. Let's start talking about trade-offs and let me be vocal about that. Let me at least lay out our concerns that you're aware that we're, we are making this choice. We're moving away from a buy to a tear down, and then we'll have to go build that capability inside because we'll probably still want to be able to do certain things like that, like lead routing, deduplication, some of these capabilities that we're going to lose from a third-party vendor, we're, st we're still going to need it in-house. So what is that opportunity cost? You're losing potentially my team's time from the value-added activities because now we have to go back to the basics, right? And that's totally okay. Just as long as the business is aware of that and RevOps is vocal, and has the, you know, I guess the bully pulpit to just go out and say, this is what's going to happen. Not to yeah. scare everyone, but these are the facts. Use facts, not opinions. And then you get to a point where you're making a decision together with your stakeholders. That's it. I, I'll, I'm a firm believer. I don't think we're using the term opportunity cost enough right now. And it is a perfect environment, perfect set. It's a hard conversation. Don't get me wrong. It's challenging. But it should help businesses reorient themselves into the why behind they do things. What am I trading off here? Yes, my deal cycle might elongate by five days. Are we comfortable with that versus us now saving this extra 10, 50, 100K? Might be, but challenge everybody in that opportunity cost spectrum. Yep, absolutely. So I always ask this at the end of the, end of the show for everyone. If you could like hop in a time machine, revisit young Brad, give him one piece of career advice, you know, what would that be? Embrace my three favorite words sooner. And I embrace them all day, every day now. But in my early, naive, maybe too 
prideful of a ops journey, I didn't say the words, I don't know nearly enough. And I can look back and reflect on my uh, career to tell you that had I started embracing those words very early on, I would have learned a lot more. But example, boss comes to you, you're in your first job, you're like, hey, Brad, go do this. Like, you got it. Like, let me go figure it out. And I just go down my rabbit holes of Google and talking to my friends and all that stuff. When I could have said like, hey, I've, I've never done that. So I actually don't know how to do it. Do you have a suggestion of a starting point and kind of point me in the direction and I'll take off there. But you find yourself you kind of getting in your own head at times to say like, no, 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 I know how to do that. Embrace those words. Candidly, when I'm interviewing people now to join Sonar, I look for that as a quality. Can this person say the words I don't know? Because typically the words that come right after that are, but I know how to find out, or let me go collaborate with somebody else in the business. That's how we get this done. But drop your pride, check your ego at the door. Nobody cares about it. Say those words and surround yourself with people that want to do that. So my, I think that's my 1A. If you give me a 1B, I would say embrace communities. Obviously, that's why we've built one that has allowed for so many people to find new jobs, find new folks, new mentors, get the answers they're looking for. But surround yourself with like-minded people and participate. You only get in, what's the old saying? You only get out what you put in. Jump in there and be active because it will bring it back right to you tenfold. But ask a lot of questions. Say, I don't know. Surround yourself with smart people. I love that. I think that negates a lot of the old information or advice folks fake it to and make it. I don't think that's as genuine as saying, I don't know, but I'll go find out. Uh, Brad, appreciate you coming on. How can folks learn more about you, Sonar, and Wizards of Ops? Oh man, jump on uh, LinkedIn, come connect with me. I believe it or not, I'm very active on there and I do my best to reply to all the messages in there. Sometimes they, they get lost, but I, I do clean it up every once in a while. But um, yeah, check out Sonar, csonar.com, sonarsoftware.com. We got both uh, domains, wizops.org. Jump over there, we'll get you into the community and we can Slack all day long. Jeff and I do this uh, on a constant basis. So we'd love to connect with you and anybody ever looking to talk about RevOps, it's a sweet spot in my heart. It's a passion of mine as, as it is Jeff's and we'd love to catch up with you on it. Brad, you're the best. Appreciate you having you on.